Well, good morning, church. As we get started learning about uh, studying and interacting with Jesus as he's revealed in chapters 14, 15, 16, he's kind of wrathful, a lot wrathful, not just a little bit, but a whole big bunch lot. And it's a matter of perspectives. What do you see there? Trace that triangle. Infinity. Does it start messing with your eyes? You know, what perspective are you going to look at that triangle as you follow it around? Which one is higher and which one is lower? And then look at that one. That one messed me up this week. That one does, doesn't it, Sarah? Yeah, you, when you're flying your plane with, uh, at night in the clouds, you don't want to see that. <laughs> okay, so it's a matter of perspective. Which, where is that center tube? Where does it go to? And finally, what do you see there? What do you see, just Joe? You see a chalice. Does anybody see anything else? Sarah sees two faces. Do you see them now, Ms. Joan? So matter of perspective, do you see the chalice or do you see two faces? As we study Revelation 14, 15, and 16 this morning, it's a matter of two perspectives. Is it the chalice or the two faces? And what perspective is taken during the wrath of our king? We will study this morning the most horrendous wrath that will ever happen on earth. And there's two differing perspectives. Two wildly different perspectives. So as you turn to Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, page 876 in your study or story Bible. It's in the back. Okay. <laughs> Page four, 876. And let's remember, I said that this is the context of 14, 15, 16 is the most horrendous judgment in the Bible ever. And let's see how it starts. Revelation 14, verses 1 through 5. John writes, then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sounds of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Look, Revelation 14 starts out with a very, very special worship gathering. Revelation is basically what? The revealing of who? Jesus. King Jesus. 
As we go through chapter by chapter, we learn more and more of Jesus as he is being revealed. Who is worshiping him here? Israel. The main goal of Revelation is to woo Israel to their rightful king. Everything that Jesus is doing is revealing himself to those on the earth is for a special group of people, and they're called Israel. This is a special group from Revelation 7. Each one of these people have been marked by God. These are mine. Who else does marking? Remember this? Satan, because he wants to replicate and make his unholy trinity? Well, God started this by marking his people. It's a special group. They get to praise Jesus with their own tune. It's their song. They're with him singing their own tune to him. It's a very special worship gathering. These people have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What does the word redeemed mean? You bought it. What's the cash in the redemption of the people of Israel? What was the purchase? Who paid the price? Jesus. All the way at the end of the book, they recognize that is our king. That is from the line of David. We're going to praise him, and he's the one who bought them. Where does the word redeem find its very first time in our Bible? Exodus. God bought them from Egypt. I redeemed you. This love story of God with the people of Israel started then and is going to finish in Revelation. And right at the beginning of our chapter, there's a special worship gathering by invitation only for the people of Israel. These people, not only did, were they marked by God, did God buy them, but look at the text. They, their lifestyle evidenced that relationship. How? Because they followed the Lamb. They're disciples of Jesus. While this scripture right here is not written to us or for us, what does that say about us? When we gathered this morning, do we have a tune that sings praises to our king? Pastor Michael and Miss Rodlin have worked really hard, and so has Hannah, to bring us to the point of singing about our warrior king. By the way, that's what we've been studying. He picks those songs on purpose. It is our tune to sing for him. Who bought us as followers of Jesus? Jesus did. What does he ask us then to do? Follow him. So that is the beginning. Starts with a very special worship gathering. Move to verse 6 in chapter 14. The gospel. What we went over with the kids this morning, it gets proclaimed. You ready? Hold on to your seats for this one. Revelation 14, 6-13. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, and language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all the nations drink the wine of passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone 
worships a beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. The gospel is proclaimed. What is the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection, and promise return. Are you ready for this return? That it's going to be dis- How does the Bible define the return of Jesus in our text this morning? Worship the Creator. We love to copyright things in America. And then what we do is somebody steals that idea. We sue them. We even have intellectual copyrights now. What does Jesus being the Creator mean? I own that. I have the right to rule over that. And what is our response to it? The angel who proclaiming this Gospel, the good news of Jesus is what? Worship who? The Creator, the King, who spoke and creation became in existence. Worship only Him. We like that part. We get that, right? Jesus, God has said that way over and Worship only me. Worship only me. Worship only me. But we tend to worship what we create. So worship the Creator. Give Him glory. For the hour of what has come. Look at your text. What's coming? Judgment. Do you mean to tell me this morning that part of the message of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is He's going to judge? Put it in your text. Answer the question. True or false? Judgment is part of the good news of Jesus Christ. Then He says, worship the King. Only the King. Because He is getting ready to mitigate perfect justice. That is good news. He gets to have the right to make things all right and to say what's happened in Joan's life, what's happened in Yvonne's life, what's happened in my life. He's going to make it right. He's going to say, I will mitigate justice on this world. He's going to do it on a global landscape really soon. And he says, worship God alone. He says it again right here. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, promise, return. He's going to judge. And what is he judging for? What is he looking for? Worshippers. Everybody on earth at this time is worshiping something. And I could make the case that you meet anybody on the street, they're worshiping something. What are the ones, the part of the unholy trinity, who marked those who worshiped the beast and the image of the beast? What happens to them? Say it. It's not good. How bad is it? You're allowed to cuss this morning. Damn. Hell. Is it a party amongst friends with some cheap vodka and cigarettes? What is it? Describe it to me. Look at your text. 
It's torment. I can get the fire part. I've been burned. Has anybody been burnt with chemicals through their nose? Yeah, Robbie, how's that? Right. Muratic acid up the nose will clean the sinuses like that. Sulfur, burning sulfur. Is this part of the good news of Jesus Christ? Absolutely it is. Sarah, you got to follow me on this. I am not making this up. This is the hardest sermon I will probably do in Revelation. The text says, the first angel comes out and says, what I'm, about to have, what I'm about to tell you is the good news. It's the gospel of Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection, and promise return. This is part of it. Hell is part of the good news. Somebody explain that to me. We're not going there. And also, hell is because he is what? The king who's going to mitigate justice, worship me only. He said it through your Bible. I double-dog dare you this week to Google where God says, worship me alone. It's going to blow it up with Scripture references. He said it a thousand times. So does it make sense? At the end of time, he says, I've had it. I'm coming back, and I'm looking for worshipers. How does this begin? Worship of who? Who's doing the worshiping? Come on. I had the flag up here. Israel. Revelation is the story of the revealing of the king. The more he is revealed, what happens more and more and more? Worship. Want a worship manual? Welcome to Revelation. We just don't like this kind of worship. When you were singing, great is our Lord, our warrior, our mighty warrior, are you thinking of Revelation 14? And it's not even got bad yet. Can you do that this morning? Hell. Now I want you to pay attention to something. I want to dig in just for a second. You got the fire and you got the torment. And I want you to move your finger to verse 11. What are they not given? In verse 11, no rest. Okay, move your finger to verse 13 and go almost to the bottom. There's another voice that says, Blessed are the dead. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may now have rest. Oh my goodness. I could preach a whole sermon on this. Sabbath means what? Rest. Jesus come to, says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you the Spirit at this time says the gospel of Jesus is eventually in heaven you will be given. Oh, I could do a whole sermon on it. I almost did. Almost like, hey, we're going till two o'clock. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel is eventual rest. How many of us as we mature can't wait for the rest from everything? Hallelujah. Bills, heart problems, mental health, goofy neighbors, estranged relationships, work, achy joints. joints, rest. That's good news, right? Good news is also that who never gets it? I would contend Hell is not so much about the fire and the brimstone and all that, but they never have rest. 
And who's it in the presence of? Who watches this? Uh Uh-uh. Look at your text. Who watches it? Who is this in the presence of? The Lamb and His holy angels. Y'all ain't getting out of here. I rule over this, says the King. Good news of Jesus Christ is He rules over hell too. And He's going to mitigate justice perfectly. And if you don't worship Him, you are worshiping Satan. It's binary. You mean to tell me that Jesus' audacity to say it's either me or nothing? Yes, He says that over and over again. Who are we worshiping this morning? Worship Jesus the King as He is revealed. I better get moving on or I'll be here till 3 o'clock. Some of you get hungry. Move to verse 14. 14 through 20. The Gospel goes into action. The good news of Jesus Christ gets put in gear. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Stop there. Did we? That's why we read Matthew 13. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to tell you a parable. And they're like, I didn't get it. So he's like, okay, I'll give it to you. This is going to happen. Mark in your Bibles right here, Matthew 13. Jesus, what he told the disciples comes true. Now follow with me. So he who sat on a cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire, and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. Ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it in the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia or 184 miles. Good news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and promise return. Is the promise return good news? Track with me, Sarah, because it's going to get worse. I know you don't like it, I don't either. But it's God's word. In his wrath, the king says to the angels, which the king, when he was here on earth, told us through the writing of Matthew 13, there will become a reaping. And they do it. As you talk to your neighbors and interact with coworkers and family and friends, do you present the idea of the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing that this will happen someday? To what extent is this reaping? You know, cup of God's wrath? That's where you read in Psalms. Yes, God is love, but yes, God holds in his perfect ability to judge the right for wrath for against sin. There will come a day when he will reap the earth. The image is graphic, isn't it? How many bodies do you have to stack up in a wine press to put it up to a horse's bridle for 184 miles? 
Ronlin, how much blood is that? Have you guys ever spilled like a thing of whole blood in the operating room? How much did it cover the floor? A lot, but how thick? No. Let it sink in for a second. The good news of Jesus Christ includes this information. But how did it start? With a worship service. They're worshiping this king who is coming back and is going to make all things right for this nation. And part of that is judging the earth and judging the world's inhabitants in the wrath of the king. So, let's get to the worship service. It's next. Worship and final judgment. Two perspectives. Verse chapter 15. Because... The wrath of verse 14 has just begun what's going to end up in the worst of what's called the bowls. We've had the, the scroll, the trumpets, and now we have the bowls. Robbie, it's like STP, but take out the P and put a B. That's how I remember it. The scroll's the trumpet, now we have the bowls. So we're getting ready to release the bowls. It's the worst. So what's going to happen in, verse, in chapter 15? Let's dive in. A worship service. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast in its image and the name of its number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sang a song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, singing, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And after this, I looked at the sanctuary. The tent of the witness in heaven was open. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure white linen with golden sashes around their chest. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. A worship service right before the bowls. Granted, many people are gathered on Sunday at God following, Jesus following, disciple making churches to celebrate Jesus' grace and ministry of reconciliation. I love you. I paid the price for you. Will you believe in me? Worship that. It's great news. We're getting ready to do that at Easter. But this worship service starts out right before the seven bowls are released. We have a hard time swallowing this pill that part of the good news of Jesus Christ is His wrath. His wrath is getting ready to be released as never been before. And how does heaven react? Yes! Woo! And look what they say. Look at the lyrics. Listen to the voices of those who have lost their lives following Jesus during their time. Because King Jesus was revealed. Part one, praise. King, you're good. What you have done is good and is amazing. 
Oh, King, the way you do what you do is good and amazing, is just, it is true. How many of us can say that? Jesus, the way you're doing with my life, I praise you for it. I have a hard time with that. I want to argue my circumstances. But look at this worship service. They're getting ready to release these bowls. The way you do what you do is good, Jesus. You alone, O King, are holy. You deserve the right to be worshipped and glorified by all of the world. What are they doing? As King Jesus is being revealed, they are worshiping him and calling him holy. Right in the middle of this. So like every good worship service, there's a call to action. They praise Jesus, and what do they anticipate him doing at the end of this worship service? Sending out seven angels with the worst bowls ever made. And they do. The seven angels are ready for final judgment. They're ready. Come on, boys. Here's your bowls. Handed out by the living creatures and say, get ready to go. At the end of the worship service. And the smoke fills the tabernacle. There is a literal tabernacle in heaven. I don't, you know... We can get into it. You talk to me after the service. But there is a throne room in heaven where God sits and Jesus acts as our high priest there. Right? He made the sacrifice for our sins and sits there as our sacrifice. So in heaven, it's been paid for in full. It's open now. Some days that some, a time is coming when that tabernacle is going to be filled with smoke. And what does God do to the entire congregation of living creatures, 24 elders, and, every, and all the angels? Fills it with smoke of his power and says, Get out. What closes? Think about this. Ms. Jesse, what you think about this? It's hard stuff. If. The tabernacle in heaven is closed. What can't happen? No more. God shuts down. No more chance of forgiveness because the temple in heaven is shut. What does that mean for those who are alive on earth at this time? Hell to pay. Michael, are you recording this? May not be a good idea. All right, the worship service is awesome. We love this part. Jesus, we can sing that this morning. Our warrior king, great are your deeds and amazing. The way you do what you do is amazing. Uh, we're not so sure about this reveal part this morning. Because when the service is over, Jesus says, come here, seven angels. Get ready to go to the earth, and I'm closing shop until I'm done. Does he have the right to do that? Now, really, if we were there and we were at the beginning of time when we we're going to debate with God if this was a really good plan, we might have raised our hand and said, Really, Jesus? But there comes a time when the wrath of the king means that he's going to do this. But I'm going to say it again. What precedes this? A worship service. So, how many worship services have we had so far? 
Two, Israel worshiped. Now we got a worship service just prior to the last judgment. So let's go into the judgments. Revelation 16, 1 through 4. <clears throat> then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of the God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. And the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became like blood. First bowl, it's a bad day for your skin. The whole earth gets covered. All those living who have taken on the mark, who are worshiping who? Satan, the unholy trinity, the false prophet, the antichrist. Instantly, the world gets living and the people get covered in boils. Fresh and salt water goes putrid. And it's really bad because the image of the liquid that comes after a body after it's been dead a while, I'm not, I don't really want to go into the details, but it's not good. That's what the water turns into. Rough start. What do you think is going to happen next? A worship service. Revelation 16, 5-7. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you have brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you've given them the blood to drink, and it is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. There's a worship service breaks out during the bowls. Is it, if you were to write this story, would you put this in here? The whole earth is, the water's gone bad and everybody's covered in boils. And what do the angels do? Worship God. Why? Because the people are covering boils and water's all bad? King, you are doing what you promised. This is a people that have, just, just I've been reading the Psalms this week crying out for their Lord to take vengeance for them. Imagine the years and the decades if you were under this, would cry out for your king to come back and make it right. And the angels have watched this long love story of God woo a people to himself and they've been tore up. And they say, oh, holy one, you are just. You are mitigating justice. You are dispensing justice. Our revealed king is shown as being the king of vengeance. Justice and vindication. Because the angel says they're getting what they deserve. Just stop here for a moment. How have God's people on earth been treated through Revelation? Dead. Economically, they didn't take the number of the beast, so you can't, can't go to Walmart. 
You can't go to firehouse after church service unless you take the number of the beast. They haven't been treated well. We don't like this story because we sit on this side of the page and say, God, that's pretty rough on those people. And unless you're sitting there with the people going through it as a follower of Jesus and say, when are you going to make this right? How many of us raise our hands in the week and say, Jesus, I'm following you. Why is it so tough? Why does my neighbors hate me? Why does it so, so bad at work? Right? We want Jesus to do something. And he says, I will. I'm coming back someday. I'm going to make things all new. And part of that is this. It's just a little too graphic for our unsensitized ears and eyes and thoughts in church on Sunday. First three bowls, rough. What happens next? A worship service. How many worship services we had now? Three. The wrath of the king, verses 8 through 21. The fourth angel pulled out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had power over these plagues. They did not repent or give him glory. Verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel pulled out his bowl, and the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The wrath. God turns the heat up. That's why we read 1 Peter 3, 1 through 10. I hate to tell you this, but global warming is really going to be an issue someday. That's my bad joke for the day. How bad is it? We read 1 Peter. Do you may remember what we read in 1 Peter? How bad does the heat get? Really bad. Really, really hot. Worry worse than Florida August with no air conditioning in the middle of the night hot. People are scorched and burned up by the super, superheated sun. How do they react to this? Curse God. Because he has the power over these plagues. The text says they curse the one who has the power over it. They refuse to submit to the king. They refuse to repent. Refuse to give the king glory. Then you have bull number five. What happens when it's super hot by the sun being superheated? What can God do next? Got the oven on super high and turns out the lights. That will blow the scientist's mind at this time. Blistering hot, sun turned up super hot, then God turns out the lights while they're suffering from these sores and have no water. And how do they react? People refuse to repent of their actions, refuse to admit the king's authority. Bowl number three. God dries up 
river Euphrates. I did some research. That's 1,900 miles long. Five cubic miles of water. Five by five by five, and fill it with water, bowl gone. Currently, today, it, 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 the stream, the Euphrates River, 90,000 cubic feet of water every second goes through it. Okay, okay, get this? Sun, super hot. <laughs> Lights out. Euphrates, gone. Our mighty warrior using nature to get ready for a final battle. And how do the people react? They're not like, wow, the sun got really hot. That's weird. We hate you, God. The darkness, we hate you, God. Euphrates is dried up to usher the way into Armageddon. You want to fight? Our warrior king says, let me pave the road for you. The unholy trinity sends out demonic spirits to go recruit all the kings of the earth to say, let's battle then. What's happening? God is fighting a spiritual warfare. He paves the road for the final battle. And the unholy trinity each sends out a demonic spirit to go, let's do this. They refuse to repent. Refuse to say, yeah, we'll follow that king. And then bold number seven, while the world is dark, while it's super hot, and while the Euphrates has been dried up, God sends lightning. Imagine it. Okay, today, it goes pitch black. And God says, wait for this. And just sends lightning. And what? Look at your text. 100-pound hailstones. I don't think much would live through that. 100-pound hailstone? The world's darkness is pierced by flashes of lightning, sounds of thunder, as the king declares, that's it. This is it. Another earthquake hits, splitting the great city in three parts. Other cities fall down. We have 100-pound hailstones. And how do the people react? They curse God. Over and over again in the bowls, how do people react on earth? Huh? Right, kind of flipping the bird. Right? because they've been worshiping the beast. What else has been happening? Worship. Two things simultaneously exist at the same time. Let that sit in your mind for a second. What king do we serve? What, how has he been revealed to you this morning that what perspective would you take on this story? Whoa, that's pretty extreme, Jesus. You don't have the authority to do what you say you're going to do. I don't like the whole burning up people or 100-pound hailstones, ruining all the water. Do we say that when we read it, when you listen to the story of Revelation? But how does heaven respond to Jesus revealing himself in the last horrible judgment? Worship. See, we've had worship by Israel. 
Very special worship service just for them. A worship service at the proclamation of the last judgment in hell. A worship service breaks out during the final judgment. And all this worship happens during the most horrendous judgment recorded in the Bible as Jesus is being revealed. Revelation 1, 1 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? Are you liking what's revealed to you? Because the enemy, their perspective is, we refuse to repent and submit to this king. We're going to curse him and his reputation. We're going to curse him for what he is doing. And we're going to refuse to admit that he has the right to rule this earth. Two things simultaneously exist. How many of us have this problem on Sunday where we like this side? We'll we'll do some worship. We like the W word. That means, you know, we get to stand, sing, listen to people sing. Right? What about when a check bounces or when you get persecuted? Or when life's really horrible? Do we break out and worship? Do we gather here and have a worship service? What's being worshipped in this text? Revelation 14 through 16. Jesus being revealed. And as he's being revealed, there are those who refuse to worship him. So this morning, can you worship the revealed king? And what does that mean? Can you worship the wrathful king? Is your Jesus that died for you on the cross, and he told the disciples, and he rose from the dead, and he said, hey, I'm coming back. I couldn't, okay, let me just say something. When we're all singing, come Lord Jesus, come, first off, let me see, I like that song. It scared me to death. You're, you're, you're singing the wrath. There are minor prophets that say, whoa, 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 don't you get excited about this happening because it's going to be really, really bad. So when we sang this morning, come, Lord Jesus, come, I'm like, mm, and hell's coming with them. That's the gospel. I didn't tell the kids about the wrath thing. I couldn't figure out how to do that. How does our faith reflect this revealed king? Our faith and our actions. We got Easter coming up. What does that mean? Easter sets the stage for Jesus going where? Simple Bible knowledge. Where does he go? Heaven. And what did he promise when he went up there, John? You're right. And what's the book where he's coming back? Revelation. Whoa. We're weird. We're studying Revelation right before Easter. Can you share that good news with people? How are we going to do that? There's been a team that's been gathering, and they're going to ask you to help. We're going to have a worship service to praise Jesus for the risen King. And we're going to have an Easter egg hunt the week before to invite your neighbors. Be on the lookout for invitation cards. Be on the lookout to say, hey, here's what we're going to do. Is it about the eggs, and is it about a lunch after Easter service? It's about what? Yvonne, I'm going to ask you to go to your neighborhood because you live where we want to reach people. 
You've been here a grand total of three weeks now, right? It's like showing up for work and they make you supervisor in three days, right? No, you're not going to supervise. But we want you to reach your neighborhood. Rodland, the people in your neighborhood. People, people. And sometimes, like uh, some of us know in this room, reaching your neighborhood is filled with dorks. But Jesus has revealed himself, and people like Easter. We like Christmas, really good, because it's a baby Jesus. We like Easter because we kind of, that's not as bad he raises from the dead. But now we have a revelation. He's that, that's who he rose to be. We have a message of reconciliation to a world because Jesus says, worship who? Him. And him alone. And we need to tell people about that. And that's what we're going to do at Easter. Look, be on the lookout for the Gazette and invitations because guess what? We're going to ask you to help. By the way, start this afternoon and tomorrow to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.